It was, uh, you know, a 17-pound fish basically doing cartwheels on the water. It's time to turn the tables on one of my fellow fishing podcast hosts, Dave Stewart from the Wet Fly Swing Podcast on Episode 62, brought to you by ReelsandTackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to today's show. Our guest is Dave Stewart, who also happens to be a podcast host. He is the host of the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Dave, man, welcome aboard. Hey, John. Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. And uh, my first opportunity to talk to a fellow podcaster here. So this could get dangerous. You know, two guys who love to gab about fishing and both have mics. Uh, we may have to uh, <laughs> watch watch our time limit on this one. But uh, that's right. I, I have a feeling we got a lot of good stuff to get through. But uh, so maybe before we get to the podcast and before we get off into the fishing, let's just uh, start with you and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess the easiest place to start, um, you know, from where I'm at, I the whole podcast thing began for me just on, you know, I guess we're going in about four years ago. I, you know, my, my life is pretty typical, right? I, I've been fishing all my life since I was pr- as long as I can remember. Uh, I started fly fishing, you know, pr- pretty young as well. And, and my dad was a guide. And so I've been around the outdoors my entire life. Mm-hmm. And didn't really know what I was going to do, um, you know, getting into college and things like that. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess you bring it back to where I'm at now, trying to build something, you know, with this uh, fly fishing podcast. Um, and how it started was four years ago, I had my first uh, kid. Uh, well, actually, I guess six years ago, I had my first kid. But four years ago, I had my my second kid and that's what got me going like hey i need to make some additional money so i started learning <laughs> about like online business really and that's that's kind of how i got going on it and uh kind of learned from pat flynn and some of these really other cool uh folks that are online doing stuff and right yeah so i just started learning about everything and i've done all sorts of different uh affiliate marketing and just tried everything and really kind of struggled with everything mm-hmm. um, to be honest but finally started building some products um, in a different um, you know field different niche so I have some online uh, products uh, that I sell but really right now I'm focused on you know like you said the wet fly swing brand and trying to uh, with the podcast just build an audience audience of people that uh, you know kind of like what I'm doing and I, I share lots of tips and stories and things like that so it's all about you know, just connecting with people and helping people learn. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun and I've got a lot of uh, room to learn, but this part of connecting with you is something I enjoy and I'm trying to do that as much. And one of my goals is just to connect with all the podcasters out here that are doing similar stuff as us and, you know, kind of grow that audience because I think the podcasting thing is something I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great way to, uh, to meet new folks and, you know, just learn from people that you never would otherwise get a chance to. And, uh, mm-hmm. so that's been part of the, the great part of the adventure for me so far. One of the, one of the awesome things about it. Um, I, I, I wanted to, you were just mentioning that you grew up fly fishing. Um, th- so tell us where that was, you know, where you grew up and did your fishing yeah. and, um, did, did you do other types of fishing as well besides fly mm-hmm. fishing? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, I mean, I'm or, I'm an Oregonian, you know, born and raised, kind of mm-hmm. haven't really, you know, I've traveled around a little bit, but haven't really lived anywhere else. So, um, yeah, man, I love the rain. That's, you know, you got to love it in, in <laughs> Oregon. Bet. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I definitely love the rain. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I started out, you know, my dad, like I said, had a fly shop. So it was pretty much, I was a fly, you know, I started out as a kid fishing uh, for bass okay, yeah. and bluegill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and all that stuff. So I did all that, but yeah, my dad being a fly fishing guide, you know, since I was young, I mean, by the time I was 12 years old, I was, I was guiding, you know, I was on the river rowing boats and teaching, teaching adults how to fish. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I did that for a long time, but you know, I'm all about my main thing with fishing is I don't care what it is. As long as you're having fun, that's kind of my premise. So I've tried it all, you know, I've done, I'm a big steelheader too. So like, that's one of my big passions. You'll see, if you look at season one of my show, it's all about steelhead. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I've done, you know, I fished for steelhead with bait and uh, jigs and, you know, all sorts of spin, you name it. Right. I fished all the gear and I, you know, all that stuff. So I, I like, it's just the one thing I found is that I'm not that good at it. You know what I mean? Like I, I am actually pretty good at fly fishing and it's mm-hmm. like steelhead's a good example. I've tried jigs and I never, I don't think I ever caught a single steelhead on a jig. Really? Oh. And you know, and I know friends that catch, they go out there and they just slam them. Right. So it just wasn't my thing and fly fishing, uh, for steelhead was, and I've caught a lot more that way. So, right. so that's kind of the thing I'm, I'm all for trying. And yeah, if somebody calls me up tomorrow and says, Hey, you want to go out to the ocean and go catch whatever I'm, I'm all in. Well, other than getting seasick, which is my big, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> my big yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's I've never got for my fisherman. sea legs. Yep. Never got my sea legs there yet, but, um, but I'm all for it, man. I'll go out there and throw whatever it is for whatever type of fish, as long as there's opportunity. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that. Cause a lot of guys who haven't grown up fly fishing think that that's, you know, just an impossible thing to do, you know, that, right. <laughs> you know, trying to get this piece of spaghetti to fly through the air the right way and uh and and it seems impossible <laughs> you know it, i guess it's what what you get comfortable with and what you know yep totally totally and steelhead fishing just for those that don't know for fly fishing it's it's definitely not as hard as it seems you know if you've never fly fished before especially it's kind of crazy especially for steelhead because the gear has gotten so specialized um mm. you know like spay fishing is this big you know thing that's been going now for 15 or 20 years the two-handed yeah. rod right yeah exactly a two-handed rod and it, it is i mean it's a game changer i mean it's basically this is no joke you can take a complete beginner to fly casting pretty much and within two hours you can have them shooting out you know 80 feet of line and, and hooking steelhead mm. because the lines are so specialized so if you want to try it um you know there's definitely a opportunity there if anybody ever wants to get into it but yeah you know it it takes some time learning to cast and a single-handed rod isn't easy and things like that but it's doable you know it's i don't think maybe it's a little harder than other types of fishing but you know the bottom line is you got to put your time in and with anything right absolutely well i've always loved you know we we don't have those um I, I guess you would call it traditional opportunities for fly fishing uh, here in Florida that, you know, you have on the rivers and, and things mm-hmm. out in the, you know, in your area in the Midwest. But, um, you know, certainly we can freshwater fish for bass and that kind of stuff. And saltwater fly fishing is really taken off yeah. quite a bit. But it, there is definitely something about it, I think, that, you know, you go out there and you know kind of the you know when you're fly fishing you're necessarily away from other people right you know you Mm. you need your space and there's i I think that's part of it for me it's it it, it's kind of that serenity and peacefulness of 
you know, having your own space. Uh, do, do you find that as well? For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely places where you're, you're combat fishing and, you know, fly fishing as well. There's plenty of those places, but yeah, I think that's part of it. And, you know, I just got off the river from a, you know, I think a five or six day trip and yeah, we, we pretty much had our own, we had, it felt like we had the river to ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's, um, you know, I'm not going to tell that story today, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, uh, a raft that dumped that capsized and there was this <laughs> kind of crazy, but not, not in our party, but this other party. And there were, you know, as I looked up, there were an upside down raft with four people hanging on for dear life oh, in, wow. a, in a class, you know, three plus rapid. Ooh. And, uh, we had to take a break and go down and help them, you know, get to shore. So yeah, you're not completely alone and there's times things happen, but I, I'm always looking for those places to get, get out remote and just kind of be in your own mind or whatever right for sure so so you said uh for your first season was about uh, steelhead so was that mm-hmm. your favorite fish to pursue or what, what are some of your other uh yep. favorite species yeah for sure yeah steelhead i is probably my it is my passion right now i mean i've trout fish my whole life so rainbow you know which is the same species as steelhead just a little different life history but uh yeah, I mean, pretty much all the trout. I love, you know, trout fishing as well. Um, so you name it. I'm out in the West, so we got a lot more, um, a lot more rainbow and brown fishing than we have, um, you know, brook trout and things like that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm totally into. Um, and but steelhead's number one. I mean, that's the thing. You know, when you get out there and you get that tug, mm-hmm. you know, the tug is the drug with steelhead for sure. It's 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 huge. You know, you spend you know <laughs> sometimes hours out there with nothing for that one fish to kind of get on but there's so many other species and i'm getting into a little bit more now talking to people so i mean tarpon is definitely on my list i haven't been out but i know that's a big one oh yeah and you guys have them have them down there right oh yes yeah the keys well all all up and down the florida coast you can catch them but uh, for for on the fly the keys is a great place because they come in pretty shallow on those uh clear uh, cool. shallow flats and you'll see them daisy chaining just big wow. groups of them that kind of out there rolling and and uh if if you think if you think you know frustration just wait till you uh oh, no try and catch one of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome. they some days you know they'll tear up anything and other days you can't do anything to get a bite so um they're but they're definitely pretty uh crazy fish we just had a, a great episode uh, uh a couple shows back with a, a guy who went to costa rica and um you oh, know nice. basically spent a whole month there and uh culminated with a 160 pounder on the fly or so Jeez. so yeah Holy cow. yeah i can only imagine uh what oh. that was like but yeah, um, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll listen to that one for sure that's yeah. great no doubt, but um, so so tarpon obviously on the bucket list. How about some of the other uh, uh, saltwater species? Bonefish yeah. and permit yep. are the other They're, two big I, ones. Totally, I haven't done any of it. I haven't done really any saltwater. The only saltwater fishing is kind of out with uh, friends out in their boats, kind of just you know, kind of gear fishing sort of thing. But uh, it's all on my list, especially as I get into <laughs> it more now. I'm, my next season, I think I, I'm kind of going into season two, which is going to be a little uh, focused on trout fishing specifically. But uh, I think season three is going to come up right behind that, and it's going to be more of a destination season. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm already starting to interview some people for that, and I've got I think Captain Jack, who's a big oh he's fished all around the world but yeah so i'm going to start uh focusing on that and yeah the more people i talk to there i think it's just going to increase my um you know <laughs> my need to really get out there and do some of these trips so 
my bucket list right now is is super long. Yeah, so. it, it keeps expanding. I I have the same yep. problem. <laughs> the more people you talk to, the more you realize uh, there's a lot more places and fish that I need to go and uh, and chase exactly. after for sure. So yep. um, so now you mentioned that uh, you, you had started guiding when you were 12. Do you still get occasion to guide or not? Don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, I I kind of. I did that, yeah, for a long time with my dad, and then as I got older, um, I did more of it and did some on my own. But it's funny when you look at things, you know, like spending your time, and you know, time is our most limited resource and all that. And yep. you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I just didn't enjoy guiding. Hmm. You know, I, I realized that it, it. I mean, I know there are people. I've interviewed people, um, great guides, and I've talked to them on my show, and and they and they loved it, man. They totally love it, and some are even you know guiding to late late ages and stuff like that, but. Yeah, man, I just, I didn't, I didn't like it. It was like, I mean, I like the people, of course, and things like that, but uh, there was something about it and maybe the pressure of the fishing or right. the way we, yeah, the way I did the trips or whatever it was, but I kind of realized that I would rather, you know, do other things with my time. And I think like what I'm doing now, trying to build some online stuff, um, you know, s- especially with the fly fishing thing is a pretty, you know, a big challenge and actually is a ton of work too, but I just enjoy it a lot more for some reason. So right. I'm, I'm kind of focusing my time there well i would imagine fly guiding you could really put a lot of pressure on yourself because you know especially if you're walking to a spot you know you don't have the luxury of of being in a boat with you know a 300 horse engine on it and you can roar uh, 10 miles away to another spot or whatever i mean right you know you're you're kind of committed and and yeah you know you have a limited area and if the fish aren't there yeah i mean that that could be a lot of pressure i could see that it is. Yeah, totally. No, and I've talked to people. I had uh, another young guide who was on, I think it was a really cool story. He told the story about how he was an assistant principal, like had a great, you know, great job and all that. But he, he just loved and wanted to guide so much that he just gave it all up and went all in on guiding. Yeah. And now he's first year in a fly fishing guide and you could just hear it in his voice. Yeah. Um, you know, and Duran, Duran Torres, and it's, you can just hear the passion, Mike, he just loves it. Right. I mean, there's no question that that guy loves getting on the river and, and, and teaching people and stuff like that. So, so I think people are, I think really, I don't know for fly fishing, maybe it's different from the other type of fishing, but I think people are just kind of meant for it or they're just geared for it. Right. I, I had a very similar episode, uh, Captain Moss, who's a uh, fly. Well, he does fly and uh, traditional <laughs> saltwater inshore fishing here. He was a PE teacher and, you know, oh, decided yeah. he wanted to do <laughs> the same thing. So maybe we're hitting on a yeah. common theme here. The teachers. I'm going to hit up, I'm gonna have to hit up some of your uh, your guests, I think, to have them on my show. Right. I mean, the, 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 the maybe it's the teachers, though, that make the best guide. I think there's definitely yeah. something to that. That's true. So. I thought we might do a uh, take a page from your show and and hit you with a couple of uh, a, a taste of your own medicine, shall we say? Um, I have, All right. Have a couple questions for you here. Um, if you only could use one fly for the rest of your life, what would that fly be? Nice, nice. That is, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good, man. I uh, I wasn't expecting that, but uh, it's funny. We were just talking. Um, I was just editing, uh, I'm doing a kind of a different show. Uh, we did this trip on the salmon fly, a big trout trip on the Deschutes. And, uh, it was with a bunch of my best friends, you know, and we were out there and, um, I'm coupling that with an interview I did with another guide and I'm going to make it in. And it's the most editing I've ever done on a show, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty funny because I asked my buddies like the same question, you know, at the end of the show, we kind of have a good laugh about it. So if, if we're talking trout, which we were there, 
it's tough, but I would probably say the same thing I said at the end of that show, the Prince Nymph. Okay. And, you know, for trout, because the Prince Nymph is just such a diverse pattern. I mean, it's, it's, it looks different. I mean, it can imitate, you know, with, in, in fly fishing for trout, there's entomology is a huge part of it, understanding the aquatic insects and, right. you know, like there's just tons, right? I mean, nobody ever, you, you're never going to learn everything. And, um, but it just imitates a ton of different bugs, you know, stonefly, um, it can Im- imitate uh, mayflies, just all these things. So that would probably be my one there for steelhead. I, you know, I'm going to have to go with um, <laughs> the pattern that's after my namesake. Um, I didn't tie it, um, but it's called the Stewart. And oh. it's, uh, it's a steelhead pattern that uh, I've tied it. You can see it on my YouTube channel, um, you know, to search the Stewart. But yeah, it was a pattern tied. My dad, like I said, had the fly shop back in the day. And he, one of his employees, he didn't have many, but one of them was Marty Sherman, who's an awesome guy who I hope to interview as well. Mm-hmm. Um, worked for Clackacraft, a drift boat company here for a while. But he actually tied that fly. My dad had a, a famous pattern kind of in our area called the Max Canyon series. And it was a great summer steelhead pattern. And uh, there was a series of flies that came after that. And the Stuart was one that was kind of similar, but... So anyways, that's the story behind that pattern, and I just love it. I tie it really sparse for summer steelhead. It's black and orange, and I think the biggest thing for summer steelhead you can do is tie it. The smaller, the sparser, the better. Like, you go go small. I like to tie that thing on, like, a size 8, just mm. a little bit of flash, maybe a four a couple of, you know, strands of crystal flash. And um, it just it looks buggy, but it's got a little bit of flash. It looks natural. It's So, yeah, that, that's that's my one pattern. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I think there universally, I think there's something to downsizing. I mean, even here in in the saltwater fishing that I do, a lot of times you'll hear the captains recommend, and and I find it to be true too that, you know, downsizing your bait a lot of times often makes you know quite a difference. So, oh, yeah. um, size matters, I guess. Is yeah, that's right. Say, that's as right. I say, um, it works in uh, fishing lures too. So, yeah. Um, cool. All right. So next uh, rapid fire question here favorite drink when you get off the water oh yeah that's that's uh, easy one i um again was just on the river and uh i'm definitely not uh, a hard alcohol type of guy it's pretty much ipa and it's not just on the river it's all around i give me a good ipa uh you know on the at the end of the day on the river and i'm i'm happy right yeah not a, yep, and not a bad choice i was just i was just gonna say there are in our area lots of different um brew you know breweries micro were kind of one of the micro brew capitals so i i wouldn't even i couldn't even say one because i pretty much just try to mix it up um, um i will highlight just the fact that i was chatting with the the deschutes brewery and had uh had some of those brews on the river mm-hmm. um yeah they they kind of deschutes i mean they're named after one of my pretty much my home river so give oh, a shout, okay. out, shout out to them I, yeah. I, and you posted something about that here yep. recently did okay that's right yeah that yeah. was uh, that can that can was actually a can of mirror pond uh, which is not a is not a uh, ipa but uh, kind of close Okay. Well, nobody will probably remember how to uh, spell or say that, but I'll, we'll have links to your Instagram right. on there <laughs> on Perfect. when we release our show. So if anybody wants to uh, check that one out, they can see that picture you posted. And uh, all right. So final final question here before we uh, get to the break and onto your uh, epic story. Um, only one fish that you're allowed to catch uh, forever henceforth yep. uh what would it be you know it's uh again an easy one i mean it would be for me steelhead but mm-hmm. i would say if you come back to me in five years or give me enough time that i can get out for tarpon 
<laughs> then, then I would, I would probably, you know, I, I won't say I'm going to change now, but I know from people I've talked to and I, one of my, uh, guests and a kind of a friend of the family I had on early on my show is Jim Teeny. He, he kind of got started. Uh, he was a big steelhead fisherman too, pretty much in the seventies started the whole steelhead thing for winter steelhead. But, um, I asked him that question and, and he said tarpon without a doubt. Yep. So yeah, I like to, I like to trust, uh, my people, the old, old timers <laughs> that, that I really like. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go steelhead, but just, just check back with me in a few years. Right. Tar- tarpon may be the new uh, best favorite. Yeah. I've heard on many occasions as well, including some of my uh, former business partners, they said, Oh yeah, tarpon spoils you. One, one of, mm-hmm. one of them said once I got a tarpon, I'd never wanted to catch anything else. So I'm not, I wouldn't go to that extreme, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, pretty amazing uh, critters, so uh, for cool. sure. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here, and then when we get back, we're going to keep uh, the podcast host on the hot seat and find out right. what his most epic day of fishing was. So uh, hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. I just wanted to say a quick thanks to all of our listeners out there. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. It really helps us to spread the word so that we can keep bringing you the most epic fishing adventures in the world. Okay, we are back with Dave Stewart and have been uh, talking a little bit about uh, his podcast, the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, an uh, awesome fly fishing podcast that, uh, um, you know, if you guys love fly fishing, uh, definitely check it out. And um, talking about some of the fishing he has done and his background. So now we want to uh, transition and have him tell us the story of his most epic day of what I I uh, have a feeling it's going to be fly fishing. So uh, set set that up for <laughs> us. You know, tell us where you were and what happened. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, just what was going on. Cool. Well, you can go back to, like you mentioned on the podcast, season one, um, which is all steelhead, and, and take a look at that pretty much. That's how I started out um, there. But, uh, you know, and, and the, as I talk to the guests, I think about, like, you know, talk to a lot of people that have caught a lot of fish. And I think the fish numbers thing definitely for a lot of people especially once you've been in it a while, it's not like your, your biggest mm-hmm. story because, you know, after you've caught a bunch of fish, you kind of like realize fishing's more, you know, it's more, you know, there's more to fishing than, than the fishing sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, um, I'm definitely not going to highlight my, my most, um, you know, my biggest fish day or my biggest steelhead day, but I am going to kind of highlight, um, I guess, I guess you could call it the biggest fish. Um, and it was a trip I had up into uh, Canada and, and this is something that, um, is pretty much a destination. We, we fished the Skeena basin and we did this trip uh, a couple years in a row and it was just, it just became this epic thing. We didn't realize what we were getting into, but I'll break it down quickly on the story. So the Skeena has a bunch of different rivers. Skeena's pretty much, I think, some of the largest steelhead in the world or have been caught mm, there. Okay. You know, plenty of world records and things like that. So, yeah, you've got the Kispiox, the Maurice, uh, the Babine, all these major, like, names in, in steelhead fly fishing or just steelhead fishing. Um, but one of them, the Babine River, is this unique river that um, – it's very hard to get to a lot of the other rivers you can kind of drive to and get to the Babine is like total remote wilderness. Um, there's no roads into it. There's a road to the top. Um, and then there's also, you can get into, there's an area where there are a few lodges down kind of in the upper middle part and you can helicopter into mm-hmm. that. 
but we didn't have the uh, the funding, you know, to to do that, or yeah. really, you know, want to want to get into that. We've always kind of been a DIY sort of thing. So we were like, you know what? Let's just see if we can get down in the canyon. We, we're good behind the oars. I've been whitewater boating and you know for a long time and things like that. So I'm pretty comfortable in a lot mm-hmm. of whitewater. So we said, hey, let's just try see if we can drop in. So we set it up. I mean, planned it and uh, talked to one local guy in in, uh, in I think it was Smithers uh, in the local town there. And he, I mean, literally, he drew us some hand drawn maps of like, okay, and this was like class three, four stuff, mm. um, pretty the most technical whitewater I've ever been down and we're doing it first ascent. So I, you know, we're like, I'm scouting as I'm rowing, I'm the main boat and my, uh, the other boats behind me. So I'm scouting it. And, uh, but we have this map that's kind of like, he tells us, okay, there's these the few things, you know, this boulder garden to be careful what with. And he, looking back on it, he kind of downplayed it or didn't realize it, but the stuff was way more technical than mm. we thought. So when we got into the boulder garden, it was right away. Like, wow, we're in <laughs> kind of over our heads. <laughs> But, uh, so anyways, that's just the story leading up. Um, and, but nobody was doing it right. So nobody, because it's, it's really yeah. technical. Even the, even the pros, like people that, that fish and live up there don't even do this section. You know, most people, because it's, it's pretty extreme. Um, but during that trip, it got us into waters that hadn't been fished. Uh, that was the great thing because the, 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 um, the guides and the lodges, they couldn't get their jet boats down there because it was too, you know, too mm-hmm. many rapids. So we got into this section called Middle Earth, I guess is kind of the area. And, and we just got into a section that hadn't been touched. Right. And, um, and we were the first people there. And, uh, we, and we knew it. So we were on these rivers. And, you know, I had the spay rod actually learned to, to spay cast on that trip. And, you know, um, you know, long story short, I managed to catch the, I guess, three of the largest steelhead of my life on that, on that trip. Wow. And they were, they were all in the upper, upper teens size wise, which is, you know, there's been, there's plenty of steelhead that are bigger than that. But for me, I hadn't, I think I'd only caught a couple of fish that were in the teens and these fish were pushing 20 pounds or, you know, in that upper part. So, and they were just spectacular, you know, I mean, one of them, I have a little video clip my buddy took of me and I mean, it was, uh, you know, a 17 pound fish basically doing cartwheels on the water, um, you know, and it was just this unbelievable, like you're, you're in this moment. I mean, we're, we're in a wilderness trip, right? So we've got all of our stuff. We're, we're floating a different area each day and we pull off we're like, well, that run looks good. You know, mm-hmm. let's try it out. Never fished it before. And, um, you know, and just fishing new water and, um, and we're in a wilderness. So there's nobody, like you said earlier, we talked about, there's not a single boat. We didn't see a boat for wow. days. Um, so we had this whole river to ourselves and it was just, you know, it gives me goosebumps now even thinking about it. And we're actually trying to re- uh, plan a, a, re- a reunion trip. It's been a, a number of years now, but we're trying to get back there this next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's just this amazing thing. And what really hit home on how I knew it was a, a big thing when we did it, but I didn't realize how many people, how um, kind of extreme it was. And I realized when I started my podcast, I interviewed a guy from BC up there, um, uh, Rob Bryce, and, uh, and he's a big skinny guy. I mean, he's been fishing his whole life, all those rivers. And when I was talking to him, interviewing him, I mentioned the, um, the Babine and I told him about that trip we did this, the story I just told mm-hmm. you. And he was just, you could listen to the podcast. I think it was episode 10, but he was just like, you could hear in his voice, like, whoa, <laughs> like you, you guys did that. Like he had never done it's it. It's like, you're crazier than you I know, thought. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, and there were a couple sections that were 
you know, so tight, we had to literally line the boats through the canyon wall. And, um, I think if the water would have been a lot higher, we maybe would have got into some crazy stuff, but the water was lower. And so Mm -hmm. that helped, but, um, but yeah, in a nutshell, that's pretty much my story. I mean, it was the most amazing trip and I've done some really cool trips, uh, you know, float trips in wilderness areas, you know, um, middle fork of the salmon, um, in Idaho was amazing, you know, and, but that one just for, kind of first sense the 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 challenge and the fact that we were catching and i caught my fish of you know these largest steelhead um no question that that's my you know and i guess if you want to call that a day i could probably narrow it down to that one day when i got that fish that i just mentioned there that did the cartwheels on this run that i had never fished before um and you know i think there's pictures of that on you know, somewhere on my social feeds, but, um, yeah, man, that's, uh, there's probably a lot to it, uh, than that, but that's, that's my, definitely my big story. Wow. Well, that, that would be a hard one to, uh, to top for sure. Um, and like you say, I think probably the time you caught it too, not only did you go to this, uh, place that was, you know, amazing and basically untouched, but you kind of caught it right with the water levels and everything, which I would imagine if you go back other times of the year, you might get in some really uh, tricky uh, situations there. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think we, I think we lucked out and uh, if we do it again, which we're talking about, I think we'll probably do a little more research because now I got a couple of little kids at home (laughs) and, uh, that I, that I didn't have when, when I did that trip. So I think we need to, well, and we did, you know, for safety wise, we had a, an EPIRB on us. So we were ready to, if we would have pushed the button, we were going to, a helicopter was going to come in and, and get us. So, you know, we, we thought about safety and we had dry suits on and helmets when we got into the, the extreme stuff. So we were, we were ready, but you know, I mean, like you said, like that trip, um, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, the boat that flipped, I mean, this last weekend on the river, they were scared, you know, completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was this kid, right? 25 year old kid. And he was, and his fiance and he, the other two people on his raft were his fiance's parents. Oh, wow. And they, and one of the guys you can hear in the episode that I did, it was his first time on the river. Mm. And, you know, I mean, when you're swimming in whitewater, you know, if you haven't done it before, I've, I've been there. It's, uh, you know, it's a, you're in another right. world, right? And I mean, you gotta, you gotta hope that, um, you don't hit your head on a rock and, you know, you don't get stuck in a suckle because, you, you know, people die every, every year in oh, that yeah. situation. So, yeah. so yeah, we, we know, I, I know the, I've been in enough whitewater to know the power and, and how quick you can go from just all good to, you know, near death sort of stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. It kind of reminds me around here, you know, the riptides at the beach, you know, people will, who are even good swimmers will get out in it and they don't realize that mm. how different it is when you get caught in that and what you're supposed to do. And, uh, once panic yeah. sets in, it's, it's tricky. And I could definitely imagine, you know, getting caught in some of those whirlpools and, and things on those, uh, you know, class three and four yeah. rapids that <laughs> panic could set in pretty quick mm. if you get dumped into that. For sure. Yeah, that definitely is going to be a uh, tough trip to top, and um, but but I have I have no doubt that uh, you'll have more adventures to come. You know, especially uh, with with your bucket list ever increasing from all the cool things you're learning from the show. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. I'm uh, I've got like I said a couple of kids, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> hopefully uh, <laughs> teach them a little bit about safety as well, but get them on some cool stuff. And so I've, I've got I've got some good stuff. Awesome, ahead of me. man. Yeah, the the Kids definitely do uh, change things a little bit, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. My my fishing in the last six years is, 
yeah, I used to be an everyday sort of, uh, well, you know, sort of thing to, uh, yeah, struggling sometimes to, to get mm-hmm. out, but, um, they're, they're great. They're amazing. And, uh, and I think that's one of the coolest things is that I'll be able to teach them and, um, you know, hopefully they'll get an appreciation for, you know, the outdoors and the love of nature and conservation and, and giving back and, you know, help kind of keep it, keep it all going. Right. That's right. And next thing you know, they'll be uh, out fishing you just like my son has done. So nice. Uh, <laughs> as, as I've heard from some of my uh, other friends, it, it's time to stop teaching him stuff because he's already uh, surpassing me. So. Nice work. <laughs> so uh, you'll, you'll be there very soon, I'm sure. So, uh, well, Dave, man, uh, so cool to finally get to talk with you here and uh, just, you know, congratulations on all the success you're having with the show. And, um, man, I look forward to hearing of some other great epic adventures uh, from you coming up here in the future. Awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. I really appreciate you having me on, on your show. And, yeah, I'm going to continue listening to your episodes and some of those ones we talked about. I'm going to get back and, and check those out. And, yeah, I think you got a really good thing going as well. And I'm um, looking forward to keeping in touch with you and, and seeing how you, you grow this thing over time. And, and we, we can kind of go from there. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. All right. See ya. Hey, big thanks to Dave for taking time out from editing his podcast to join us on ours. If you love fly fishing, check out his show, The Wet Fly Swing. And also, check out our episode 54 with Joseph Davies, where he caught that 160-pound tarpon on the fly that we talked about in this episode. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.